You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Goodbye, baseball, a walk-off winner for Mitch Hattiger. Swing, line, drive, this game is over! Goodbye, baseball! Mitch Hattiger ties it up here in the bottom of the ninth inning. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. Hey, welcome back, Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Thanks for being here, as always. Very much appreciated. As it just continues for the Mariners, two more games in the book since we last talked and two more wins, lots of runs, lots of homers along the way. So we have a lot of highlights to cover, a lot of reaction to cover. This is going to be a fun one, too. Shannon Smith, uh, Shannon Smith, Shannon Dreyer, a great conversation with Malik Smith coming up in a few minutes that you'll enjoy. Also. Uh, Aaron Goldsmith and Mike Blowers had a very interesting numbers conversation. I think you'll like as well, so that's going to be here. And on the broadcast last night, we had George Brett on for half an inning, and it was fantastic. So I thought at the end that I would just play the entire top of the fourth with George Brett, which is highly entertaining, and the Mariners scored a couple of runs along the way. So why not? So all that is happening on this podcast as the Mariners beat the Royals now 11-2 and on the season. Best start in franchise history. The numbers are pretty overwhelming in terms of what they're doing. And the one that sticks out to me more than any other, they joined the 1932 New York Yankees as the only teams since 1908 to score at least six runs in 11 of their first 13 games. In case you're wondering about the 1932 New York Yankees, Babe Ruth that year hit 341 with 41 home runs. Lou Gehrig hit 349 with 34 home runs. So, you know... Pretty good offense. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's silly at this point. Mariners have also hit run, home runs in every single ball game so far this season. They've hit a homer in every game so far this season. They can go for that record tonight. 33 homers so far this season. I mean, it's just incredible. You know, the pitching has been really good as well, and that gets a little overwhelmed by just the ridiculousness of the entire thing. So let's wind back a couple of days ago. Mariners taking on the Royals in game one of the series against KC. And, I mean, this game was a lot like what we've been seeing. So many home runs, including a very first big league home run. The windup and the one-two to Moore. Swing and a fly ball deep to left field. Gordon going back, looking up. Goodbye, baseball. Dylan Moore with his first home run on the season to straightaway left field. 
home runs by Vogelback and more, and the Mariners have tied it up here in the top half of the second. Mariners two and the Royals two. Number one for Dylan Moore. Way to go, kid. How about that? First big league home run right there, and Edwin Encarnacion would have a monster game. Not only two home runs in the game, how about two in an inning? First offering of the inning, swing, and a line drive, crushed high, deep left center field, carrying back, gone, Mariners on top. Edwin Encarnacion, his third of the season, wasting no time, first pitch, top of the sixth. And the Mariners have taken a 5-4 lead in Kansas City. The 0-1. Swing, clobbered, high, deep left field. Encarnacion, second time, same inning. Out to left here at Kaufman. He has homered twice in the sixth, and the Mariners now lead it 12-4. Yeah, and then Jay Bruce, you know, why not? Here's the pitch on the way. Swing and a fly ball deep into right center field to the fountains. Going and going. Goodbye baseball. Jay Bruce has joined the hit parade. His sixth home run of the season. The Mariners' fifth home run of this game. Holy smokes. And the Mariners now lead the Royals by a score of 13-4. And Jay Bruce now has six home runs in his last seven games. 13 runs, 15 hits, another win for the M's in game one of the series. Bullpen was really good. Felix only went an inning, was ill. Bradford, Elias, Sadzik, Guerin all come on and give up three runs the rest of the way. And uh, plenty of offense in that one as the Mariners beat KC 13 to 5 a little bit of a closer game yesterday not so much in terms of the offensive fireworks although they did keep the home run streak alive and they didn't waste any time doing it thanks to Jay Bruce Junis in with a sign here is the 3-1 pitch swing and a fly ball and straight away left field and deep going back going to the warning track near the wall leaps up goodbye baseball Jay Bruce with an opposite field home run into the Mariners bullpen straight away left field his seventh home run of the season, and the Mariners now have hit in 13 consecutive games to start the year, and they continue to add on their Mariners record with their 33rd home run of the season, a one nothing Mariner lead. 15 more hits for the Mariners in six runs. Not bad, not what we're accustomed to, but still not bad. But stealing the show yesterday, Marco Gonzalez. 2-2 for Marco. Strike three called. He gets him right at the knees. A nasty changeup. And Hunter Dozier is caught admiring. It's another 1-2-3 inning for Marco Gonzalez. Dialed in as usual tonight. He's allowed just two over six. Very fine innings. Solid. And he had some defensive help at second base. D. Gordon, his all-around game yesterday. You can't overstate how impressive that was. Three for four at the plate. A couple of ribbies along the way. And he shined defensively. The 3-1 pitch, here she comes. Swing and a line drive, diving, catch behind the bag, D. Gordon. Holy smokes, what a night defensively. A defensive gem turned in by D, saving another run, robbing Chris Owens of a base hit, and that will retire the side. Holy smokes, what a catch by D. Mariners win 6-3, an actual save situation. 
Anthony Swarzak finish it off to garner his second save. Marco Gonzalez grabbed his fourth win. As you know, I'm not huge into pitcher wins, but I think this is pretty entertaining. Marco beat Kansas City yesterday. He now has twice as many wins as the Royals do. And here we are, April 10th, and Marco has more wins than the Boston Red Sox. I'm not sure who would have predicted that at this point, but that's the reality that we're living in right now as the Mariners improve to 11-2. Swarzak on the field after the ball game with Shannon yesterday is pretty great. Thank you, Rick. I'm down here with Anthony Swarzak. And, Anthony, I mean, they're not going to score 12 runs every game, and you're probably secretly kind of thankful for that. It's nice to come in and have some opportunities. I, I think that no matter how many runs we score, we're going to get opportunity. And anytime you got an offense that's as electric as this, I want to take full advantage. I want to see him score 12, 15, 20 runs every night because sometimes you're going to need it, you know. And, and, and what this team is doing right now, I mean, we're setting records, and it's time for people to start noticing. What's that look like from the bullpen? Uh, it looks like a lot of fun. It, it really does. Guys are, you know, having a great time in between the lines, which is really hard to do at the major league level. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's hard to get relaxed and, and have fun and still execute and still do the little things. And that's what we're doing. And once again, it starts with D. I mean, what that guy does for our clubhouse, what he does on the field, you see how vocal he is. You see the plays that he's making when it, when it, when it matters most. And we all jump right on board with that. He's a true leader. You come into the game and you're in a part of the lineup with Kansas City and they can do some damage. If Billy gets on, you know what he can do, what Merrifield has been very, very hot right now. You've got a little bit of a cushion. What do you need to do? Um, I think we need to just continue to do what we're doing. You know, we're scoring early and often. Um, our guys are throwing the ball great. And uh, we got, you know, we got some good uh, momentum right now. And that's, that's very important in this game. So we're the hot team. Come get it. Lastly, what are you seeing down in the bullpen? You know, the roles aren't exactly established right now, but you got a lot of guys that look like they're ready for anything. Yeah, we got a lot of guys that are down there hungry, ready to pitch, ready to prove that, you know, they're they're uh, you know, ready ready to prove that they can get it done when it matters most and you know, we have a lot of opportunity here right now, so this is a good place to be a pitcher and um, guys are taking full advantage. Eleven and two, not bad. Not bad. Thank you, Anthony. All right. Yep, not bad at all. Anthony Swarzak has a couple saves under his belt. Saves pretty evenly distributed throughout the bullpen as the Mariners closed down the win against Kansas City yesterday. Here's Scott's service after the game. D had a phenomenal game. Uh, swung the bat really well and made you know three or four outstanding plays. Certainly a couple big ones in the eighth inning to, to help Brennan get through it. But uh, yeah, defense, uh, you know, it's, it's really big in this game. And you know, D's a special player defensively and certainly showed it tonight. Had a really good night at the plate as well. So uh, again, a 6-3 game and you know we're, they, they kept some pressure on us late, but we got through it and a uh, nice win. And with just one home run and D's three hits at the bottom of the lineup, how how much does that go to show just the length of the overall lineup? No, our, our lineup top to bottom has been, been really good. Uh, we get the one home run early and we say just one home run. We're kind of getting used to more, but uh, uh, again, uh, grinded out. We put a number of pitches on their starter. Um, you know, got him out of the game after four innings, and uh, you know we're able to tack on uh, a few runs late, which which really was uh, helpful for our bullpen tonight. Marco gave you about what you needed tonight? He did. I thought Marco uh, got a good curveball going after the first inning, kind of went to the curve, and it helped him uh, get going there for a little bit. I thought he threw the ball really well. It kind of emptied the tank. We were trying to get one or two more outs out of him in the seventh because uh, we were a little limited bullpen-wise tonight. But, uh, you know, Brendan did a nice job. He came in through the strikes. ball usually goes on the ground when he's out there with a good sinker and a changeup, and he was able to get it done. Making sure that you got enough runs, is that part of the aggressive play and getting 
Encarnacion home on the side slide? Oh, you know, we got to give it a shot there. We had to lead in the game. Uh, really good slide. Uh, Eddie's playing great right now. You know, he's playing much younger than the back of his baseball card says he is. And it looks, you know, he's swinging the bat good. Uh, got a lot of energy out there, and it's fun to see. Bruce has seven home runs. I think he's got nine hits. Yeah, he doesn't hit singles. <laughs> singles aren't in his game right now. So, uh, yeah, J.J., you know, he's getting his pitch. He's really driving it. He's missing some pitches. Uh, I know uh, for a little frustrated he probably is average-wise. But, you know, I get a good fastball to hit. Took it the other way, which is not easy to do in this ballpark. And, uh, you know, he'll take it. Jay will get heated up. But we'll take the home runs right now for sure. Scott, how, how different is it seeing D? He goes first to third on a play where a lot of runners don't even think about it. He makes those plays in the field. That, it's got to be help on some level, isn't it? Oh, uh, no, no doubt. I mean, he's a you know he's a pro, and and uh, I just like his the, his quality of at bats. Uh, you know, the legs are a big part of his game, and the speed he just went right and balls right in front of him. He never stopped, and really you know turned. Out. It's fun to watch when him and Malix and these guys get on the base pass, what they can do, and the pressure they can put on another team. So uh, we'll keep keep rolling along. Um, you know, I was really happy. Uh, you know, we were a little short in the bullpen tonight. Marco to give us six innings was huge. Speaking of speed, you don't see a guy scoring a sack fly from second too often. You don't see that too often. There's some really fast guys out on the field. Um, you know, and Malik's went back, and, you know, he lost his balance a little bit and didn't pop up right away. And, you know, right away when he went down, you knew Hamilton was thinking about scoring. And uh, we would have done the same thing with a couple of our guys, I'm sure. What's your perspective of Whitmerryfield from the other dugout? Yeah, he's really good. He's a tremendous hitter. He has a good idea of the strike zone. Uh, he uses the whole field to hit. He's a tough out. He's as tough as out as there is in this league right now. I don't know if you ever faced Brett, if you ever played against him other than spring training. Do you remember watching him play? And He tied Brett's record. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no question. Yeah, obviously George is a great, great hitter. Uh, Witt's a different player, obviously. But uh, Witt actually reminds me of Michael Young. That would be my comp for him. Uh, I haven't been around Michael Young for a long time. He's an outstanding hitter. He's had 13 games. One starting pitcher has gone six innings against you guys. I mean, is that just a factor of the way you guys grind out at bats? Our guys are, you know, they, they, they're really, uh, they do, they get deep in counts, and foul, a lot of foul balls, they're taking close pitches. Um, it's fun to watch uh, every night, and I think that you know, brought to my attention today, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit different philosophy in things like nine against one instead of one against one. And it's something that when you start thinking about it that way, that's really how our guys are wired coming together, and uh, it's a great way to look at uh, what we're doing right now, and that's our approach. You know, I've been talking a lot about that this year that has been so impressive. I mean, the starting opposing starting pitcher ERA over 10 against the Mariners, one quality start against the Mariners so far this year, and that was Trevor Cahill, which ended up being a Mariners win, which is pretty amazing. And the numbers for this road trip are just overwhelming. Mariners 4-1 and one on this trip, three games so far in Chicago, two against Kansas City, two more against Kansas City on this trip. Get this, Mariners are averaging 9.6 runs a game on this trip. They're averaging 13 hits a game on this trip. They've swatted 16 home runs. They've drawn 20 walks. On base percentage, over 400. They're batting 337. They're just demolishing their opponents offensively. It's, it's incredible. It really is. It's such a ridiculous offensive start. It's amazing. So we'll see what happens the next two games against Kansas City. <laughs> two more ball games on the road to try and add on to this streak. And then, of course, the Mariners return home. Should be a fun homestand. Hopefully you're making your plans 
to be there because the Astros and Cleveland Indians are in for this next homestand, the next two series. So a weekend series against Houston and then Cleveland after that. And we'll talk more about that on the podcast coming up on Friday. But six-game homestand and what – well, really, no matter what happens, the last two games in KC has been a successful road trip. They have a chance to make this just an all-time road trip, especially when you consider the numbers. It's just – it's incredible. So right now we're going to hand things over to Shannon Dreyer, who had a, a very good conversation with Malik Smith. Shannon Dreyer here behind the batting cage, just catching up with Malik Smith, who we actually saw earlier today. And you come to Kansas City, there is a pilgrimage of sorts that, that must be made. We saw you at the Negro Leagues Museum today. You've been, you said, just about every time you go. What what first drew you there? Uh, you know, it's my history. So just going to understanding the, you know, the players that played before me, things they went through, leagues that were built for there even to be a way for us to play um, and, and to learn about it and just get refreshed on it. So that, that that's what really took me there. How did you first hear of the Negro Leagues? I mean, well, when I first, well, the first time I actually was uh, going to come, um, you know, somebody told me about it, and then so I just went and visited. Hmm. What jumped out at you? I mean, there are just so many things. They've got everything from displays of a, a hotel room at the time and pictures and artifacts and, of course, the field of, of dreams with the, the statues. What what jumps out at you? The biggest one is the field of dreams for me. I mean, you got just some of the ultimate legends of, you know, Negro League baseball. Uh, I mean, you know, they got the statues and the position that they played at, so you kind of you get like to feel like you're there with them a, a little bit. There's some legendary stories. You know, Josh Gibson perhaps hit the most home runs right. that anybody ever did. What are some of the stories that you've heard that kind of open your eyes? Uh, Satchel Page and, you know, how he, uh, <laughs> well, the story today, uh, that one I haven't heard. <laughs> uh, well, they made a machine to clock, you know, how fast they were throwing. And he uh, <clears throat> apparently clocked them at 100 miles per hour and said, oh, man, I, I wish I would have known that. Y'all were clocking my speed. I would have threw it harder. So <laughs> just thought that was pretty funny. And you, it was a, a priceless moment, and I actually talked to Ray afterwards to ask if he'd ever seen this before, but you go through and you see the statue uh, of Satchel Paige, and you had some words for him. Yes, I pretty much told him that he couldn't strike me out, you know. <laughs> yes. um, I think he'd appreciate that type of trash talk, just kind of understanding the type, the type of person he was, and, uh, you know, I, I think it would be a good competition, so. What would it be like to see that high leg kick on the mound today? Oh, that'll be dope, you know. <laughs> uh, it'll be something that I couldn't even fathom, uh, but something that I would know I would enjoy every moment of. Yeah, I think we all would like to see that. You also wandered over to Cool Papa Bell and had a quieter conversation there. Yeah, uh, I was just talking to him about speed, and I just told him that I'd probably beat him in a foot race. So this is when I this this trip I had a lot more trash talk for the fellas. You know, and first my first few trips is a lot more in awe and amazement. Actually, had some words for them this trip. I think you know something to entertain them a little bit. <laughs> they probably appreciate. I mean, they're just hanging out yeah, there all just day, hanging out all day. You know, people <laughs> taking pictures of them. You know, I don't know how many personal conversations they get. So no, I very... just try to talk to them a little bit. It was a pretty awesome moment. Did I miss anyone? Did you talk to anyone else? Uh, you know, I came. I sized up a few people, but some of them didn't have many words for me. Uh, so, you didn't miss much. 
Maybe next time. Yeah, maybe next time. Maybe next yeah. time. So if we see a stolen base or two in the next couple of days, you're thinking cool Papa Bell then? Uh, yeah, you know, I shout out Papa Bell and um, and Josh Gibson and everything. I told Josh Gibson he can't throw me out, so. All right. I, I, came, I came for everybody this trip. All right. Well, I, I'm sure it was appreciated. It was great to see, and thank you for sharing. No problem. And now it's time for Aaron Goldsmith, Mike Blowers, a little numbers talk. You know, Mike, this is kind of interesting stuff. Let's let's dive into some numbers here. And this is something that we've been tracking almost since the first week of the season, and that is the Mariners' ability to not chase outside of the strike zone, to swing at strikes and not swing at balls. I find it really interesting that the two teams right now in baseball, Mike, that lead the majors in home runs, number one, the Mariners, number two, the Dodgers, are the two teams that chase outside the strike zone with the least frequency. You would think that maybe that those would be the teams that chase the most, but really disciplined hitting by two power teams early in the season. I think it is interesting, to be honest with you, because you think about power numbers. Um, you would think more swing and miss, swinging for the fences all the time. Um, to have that type of uh, plate command and not chase outside the zone is a bit surprising. Now, to me, you, when you say that and they're second or with the Dodgers, I would think, okay, I'm automatically thinking on-base percentage, which the Mariners are there too, mm-hmm. but not so much with the power numbers. The one thing that I would say to that is if they're not chasing outside the strike zone, then those pitches are called balls. They're getting themselves into better counts to hit, which means they're probably getting fastballs, and they're probably getting more fastballs in the middle of the plate. Yeah, because I got to thinking about it, and when you look at the Mariners so far this season, they've had a number of double-digit strikeout games. Now, that isn't bizarre in this climate of Major League Baseball that we're watching, but I did find it interesting given the fact that the Mariners are not chasing uh, hardly at all. And yeah, you look at the strikeout rate for the Mariners, Mike, it's like right there in the middle of the pack. It's right around the median in the Major Leagues, but this is kind of something that Scott Service talked about, strikeouts, walks, and the relationship between those two. The, the thing with the strikeout side of it, Aaron, is they're going to strike out looking probably a little bit more, but they're not going to be free swinging at pitches, and we've seen that from them. If you have borderline pitches with two strikes and, you're, and you are locked into taking pitches that are borderline and you're not going to swing at them, at times they're called a ball and sometimes they're called a strike, so you have to take the good with the bad. I think more times than not, though, if you can stay that disciplined all the time, and it is called a ball, you're going to get a better pitch to hit. So I'm not surprised that they're going to strike out a little more. It's something that Scott talked about in spring training, that guys are going to strike out looking a little bit more on borderline pitches. And the more I think about it, the more sense it makes, because if it's a borderline pitch, you're probably going to make an out even if you swing at it and hit it. You may swing through it, but if you put it in play, it's probably going to be weak contact. So if it's that borderline, leave it in the umpire's hand and see if you can work something out from there. We saw it um, in Chicago. I thought that there were a couple of guys that took a pitch, borderline, could have been called a ball. It was called strike three in a full count. 2-2 pitch, probably was a strike. On the outside corner of their knees, you can't do anything with it. Take it, called ball three. Now I'm in a full count, base hit, into the gap, drive in two runs. So that is the process, and that's their thinking. Now you have to have the personnel to do that. I know you've talked about this. There's a lot of changes in the lineup, but that's what these guys are known for in their careers, and it's, it's working out beautifully for this club. I noticed some of those same things yesterday's game. Uh, there were a number of times, three, four, maybe five times, where Mariners hitters would take a pitch, and, man, the tracer shows it's strike two, maybe even strike three. Maybe they should be back in the dugout, but it's ruled a ball. Is there anything to be said? Is this just a, is this a, a poor theory that the Mariners have been so consistent up and down the lineup, and they're taking really good pitches that maybe that kind of becomes 
in the back of an umpire's mind that this is something that this team does, and I'm seeing it with every pitch, not every pitcher, but a lot of the pitches that I'm calling with this particular team. Is that a thing, Mike? The, I don't know. You, you can say no. I, no, I, what I would say is that it's still early probably. Okay. I think it can become a thing, but I think a lot of times you can sell taking a pitch on how you take it, mm. and I think that they do an excellent job of that. I think that you don't see them check swinging a lot. It's out of the hand. They recognize the spin, where the ball is going, and then they just take it. There's not a lot of checking to see if any swing at that. Now, on the flip side of all of that, and you can talk to Wade about this, Wade was not happy because he needs that pitch at the right. bottom of the zone. And he was getting squeezed down there yesterday, so it makes his job more difficult. But it's a huge benefit for the hitters. Now, that can change from night to night depending on the umpires. But if you think about the Mariners, almost 200 pitches they saw yesterday. How much pressure does that put on the guy behind home plate? Because he has to make the call on every single one of those. He's going to miss a bunch. You can't help it because it's razor thin, and these guys are all nasty, right? It's 95, and it is sliders all over the place. It's a difficult job to get them all right, and typically they're not going to, and nobody should expect them to take advantage of it. Blow always. Thanks for the visit. Anytime. And one of the best of all time, George Brett in for an inning last night. And welcome back to Coffin Stadium on a beautiful night here in Kansas City. Game two of the four-game set. Mariners and the Royals all tied at 2-2. As we go to the top of the fourth, third baseman Ryan Healy will lead things off. We have some great Royals history uh, just joining us here in the booth. The Hall of Famer George Brett is going to join us for a little while here in the top of the fourth inning. George, thanks for coming by. Good to see you again. Been a while. It has been a while. Look great, buddy. Here's the pitch on the way to Healy. A breaking ball from Junis is in there. For a strike on one, we just saw Whit Merrifield tie your club record with a base hit, right. a triple in the bottom of the first. He now has a 30-game hitting streak. You had a 30-game hitting streak back in 1980. Next offer, swinging a ground ball through the hole. It's short, diving stop, though Mondesi, the one-hop throw to first, and it's not in time. Holy smokes. What an effort by Adalberto Mondesi. Almost robbing Healy of a base hit. Tremendous effort. That ball was headed into left field. Diving stop. Long throw to first, a little bit late, not. What a great effort by Mondesi. Healy is safe at first with a leadoff single. What a play. That was like you back in the oh, day. Oh, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> first of all, I wouldn't have caught it, and if I did, I would have thrown it in the seats. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. You were amazing over there at third base for many, many years. Here is catcher Omar Narvaez, but visiting with the Hall of Famer George Brett. And, George, what was it like to see Merrifield tie your record tonight? You know, it was kind of nice. I've known Witt since we signed him. Uh, God, that was years and years ago. And uh, followed his career through the minor leagues, followed his careers once he got to the big leagues. And uh, and he's had tremendous success. Last year led the league in hits, led the league in stolen bases. And yeah. uh, I admire the way he plays baseball. He runs the bases with aggressiveness and uh, plays very versatile in the, outfield, in the uh, field. He could play basically third she can play everywhere yeah you know and uh and uh he's a good kid he really is so if anybody was going to tie it he hasn't broke it yet he's tied no, it. he's tied but it. if anybody exactly. was going to tie it i'm glad it was him visiting with george brett one and one the count on omar narvaez at 1980 season was really special for you uh you hit 390 that year but you flirted with 400 you were it. hitting 400 late in the year i had it i had it until i went to seattle i went one for 11 my only hit was a home run off Bill Travers. I don't know how I remember this stuff. You had a center memory. fielder that dove and caught two balls in the gap. You had oh. Mario Mendoza playing shortstop. He robbed me of three hits. I ended up going one for 11. I left there. I was hitting 400 with two weeks to go in Seattle. Right. And I went one for 11. I left hitting about 392. 
And uh, if those hits would have fallen, you know, some of those base hits would have fallen that I thought were hits. Yeah. I forget the center fielder's name. Little left-handed hitter. Johnny some Johnny Moses Johnny Moses Johnny Moses yes I hate that guy <laughs> and I hate Mario, I like that guy. and I hate Mario Mendoza well, you gave too. Mario Mendoza the, maybe that's the Mendoza why he treated line. me so poorly when I was yeah. up there but he had about two fifteen not two hundred right but for a while he, he was, was two hundred five yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was uh, it was uh, it was a good experience I was twenty seven years old and thought you know I'm just in the prime of my life I thought I'll have another chance at it I would have been more prepared but. I think the highest it ever got after that was 365 one year at the All-Star break. And wow. It came real fast down after that. So, that's, that's but it was amazing. a good experience for me. We saw John Olerud flirt with 400 in 1993. He ended up hitting 363. My question to you, George, it hasn't been done in 78 years. Swinging a shot foul on the first base side, 2-2 on Omar Narvaez with Ely on at first. Nobody out. Ted Williams, the last to do it, 406 average. In 1941, are we ever going to see another 400? You know, hitter? taking nothing away from Ted and taking nothing away from my performance in in 1980, it's harder now. It the is. game is more specified. You you look at the bullpens the Royals had in 14 and 15. Wow! You know, the three-headed monster. You would you would throw uh, you throw your starter out there, and if he went six innings, he was done. Right. Then you get a guy coming in to pitch the seventh. He's making about five million a year. Then you get a guy pitching uh, the Herrera. eighth who's making about $8 million a year. Holland. Then you got your closer coming in making $15 million a year. Davis. Yeah. I mean, it was just incredible. And other teams are starting to do that now. Yeah. So it's going to be really, really difficult. Even when I did it, they didn't have, you know, a guy to pitch the seventh, eighth, and ninth. They had a bullpen. Yeah. And they would get a seven innings out of your starter. So you'd face that guy two or three times. Exactly. Now you might face him two times only right. and then face, you know, if you're a left-handed hitter, they're going to have a lefty come in and face you in the with seven. a nasty slider. Right, a trick pitch, a guy just to get lefties out. They didn't have a lot of that when I did it in 1980 or attempted to do it. And I know when Ted Williams played in 1941, you know, everybody, probably the guy that led the league in complete games probably had 35. Right. And the guy that came yeah. in second had 34. Exactly. And they, your, your fifth starter probably had 25. Right. You know, because that's what that's they how did the, game, back the then. game was played. They win nine innings. The game's they played hands a little with the catcher at the end of the now, game. And I think it's a little harder to, it's going to be harder. That's why you don't see many guys hitting 330 anymore. Yeah. You know, we, the guy leaves the league hitting now is hitting 320. George, we had the pleasure for 18 years watching Edgar Martinez, and he's yeah. going to get his rightful due finally this year. He's been elected to the Hall of Fame. He's going to be inducted on July the 21st of this year in Cooperstown, where you've been for many years already. The 2-2 to Narvaez swung on, and a wild hit ball to right field. Down the line, and this one is going to drop in a fair ball. Ronnie second, Healy to third, Narvaez is second. The throw to second is cut off by Owings, a throw in from Merrifield. A double for Omar Narvaez, and here come the Mariners. They have runners on at second and third with nobody out. You had a chance to face uh, and watch Edgar Martinez. You retired, I believe, your last year was 1993, 21 years in the big leagues. Uh, What did you see in Edgar Martinez? I saw maybe the best natural right-handed hitter that I saw in a long time. I mean, this guy could put the ball in play. He was uh, hit the ball to all fields, which I love in a hitter, you know. It, it, Guys if, don't do it then. No. Well, if, if they put the shift on Edgar, Edgar would have hit 400 every year. Yeah. If they would have put the shift on me, I would have hit 400 every year. But it, it, you sit here and you watch these guys continually go out there and just try to beat the shift. Where all you got to do is move off the plate a little bit, let yeah. the ball travel a bit, and hit a little ground ball to shortstop. 
all of a sudden now that shortstop's going to go back over to shortstop. You'll you stop know, the shift, and and you're gonna and, and, and you're gonna stop it. You're gonna stop it. But I just seen for ever since the shift has has come into play, everybody tries to beat it. No one really tries to alter the game to, to help their team by getting singles. The game has changed in so in so many ways where they don't care if they strike out. They don't all they, all they care about is home runs, right? Slugging and OPS and WAR and you know all these other statistics. I don't even know what they mean. But Edgar would have been one of those guys that that um, would have drawn, created yeah. so much havoc for an opposing manager. Exactly. He, he was good, and he walked. He had a great eye. Oh, my he, goodness. Great, His on-base percentage. Eye. Didn't strike out. Didn't yeah. strike out often. And he could hit the long ball when, when needed. And for his career, here's a look at shortstop Dylan Moore. Second and third, nobody out. The infielder's background ball here scores a run game tied at two. We're in the top of the fourth. George's kid, his first major league home run last night, swinging a pop up out of play on the first base side. But Edgar's career finished uh, his career batting average over 300, on base percentage over 400, slugging percentage over 500. Only 21 guys have done that. The other 20 in the Hall of Fame now, he's going in and showed mm-hmm. you the type of hitter that he was. He would well, take I his think, walks. Yeah, I think I, I think the, the thing against Edgar, he was accident prone a little bit. He was too valuable to be injured, and yeah. the Mariners just made him a DH. Yeah. And I think. Probably took some of the votes away from yeah. some of the oh, writers because did. because he wasn't, you know, he would just hit all day, like yeah. Hal McRae, a guy I played with for 15 right. years. Hal was a tremendous player. Yeah, I don't think he's ever gotten any consideration for the Hall of Fame because you know what, he was just a hitter. Here's the pitch on the way to Moore, swing and a miss for strike three, and there's one out for the Mariners here in the top of the fourth inning. Runners on at second and third, game tied at two. Visiting with George Brett, the Hall of Famer here, second baseman. D. Gordon D. with a leadoff single scored the Mariners' second run in the top of the third. Son of Tom Gordon, who you know very well. Sure, I heard he was at the game for many last years. Night. He was had a chance to visit with him yeah. in the dugout back at the hotel yesterday. He was something as a starter and a reliever yeah. for you guys. Came up and, and was just years. he had the nastiest curveball I've seen since yeah. Bert Blylevin, I think, at that time. He called it, it the old drop ball. Yeah. Here's the pitch to D. and it's outside for ball one. You give Charlie Lau a lot of credit for the hitter that you became. Denny Matthews came in here yesterday in the pregame show and talked about your early days where you really liked Carl Yastrzemski and your oh, hands yeah. were up yeah. high, you know, just like Pull hitter, pull hitter, yeah. couldn't hit the ball to left field. And that's the first thing Charlie did is he moved me off the plate a little bit, put my bat more parallel to the ground so it would be able to stay in the strike zone longer as I swung. Mm-hmm. And uh, it taught me how to hit the ball to the left field. And that's yeah. when I learned to hit the ball the opposite way, that's when I became a hitter. Yeah. Tony Gwynn did that for many years. Yeah. Rod Carew, all sure. the great hitters. Yourself, Edgar Martinez hit the ball the other way. Here's the stretch and the 2-0 to D. Swung on ground ball right side. Diving try. Owings kick it to the base into the right field. Scoring is Healy. Ronnie third. Narvaez, the throw to the plate is cut off. Narvaez will score. D. Gordon with a base hit to right drives in a couple. What a night for D. And the Mariners now have the lead 4-2 to two over Kansas City. Healy scoring easily from third. Narvaez, great jump at second base, scoring from second base. The throw from Merrifield was cut off. The Mariners have two in, and they have a two-run lead. And that'll bring up Malik Smith. Smith 0 for 2 on the day. George, one of the Great games in baseball history was uh, in New York. The home run off of Goose Gossage. And you used to like a little pine tar right, on yeah. your bat. You hit that home run. Here's the pitch to Malik's, and it's high and outside for ball one. I'll never forget your reaction 
when uh, Billy Martin had the umpire, Tim McClellan, home plate umpire, checked the bat. He put it across home plate because the pine tar couldn't be higher than 17 inches 18, from the knob. 18, 18 inches from 18 the knob. I didn't know that then. I, I only missed I by no five idea. inches. <laughs> I only missed by five. You had that <laughs> pine tar way up there. Yeah. You hit the home run. They called you out. Yeah. And uh, what, what do you recall about that night? I remember it was a day game. It was getaway day, Sunday afternoon, and, and I just remember sitting in the dugout, and I'm going, what the hell's going on out here? <laughs> and the next thing you know, somebody said, well, you, your pine tar's, you know, up your bat label an awful lot. They might call you out. I said, if they call me out for using too much pine tar, I'll run out there and I'll kill one of those SOBs. As soon as I Ooh. said that, Tim McClellan looks, looks for me in the dugout and then calls me out, and I... Walked out ca- calmly and no, no, and asked him uh, for what reason did you call me out, sir? <laughs> I saw you running like yeah. crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some my dad used to look when I brought my report card to him <laughs> at elementary school. <laughs> and they called you. However, Lee McPhail, the American League president, yeah, he overruled. John Schultz was our general manager then, and we all know when John left here, he went to Atlanta and became a great architect over there, and they right. won like thirteen titles in a row or something, yeah. and. John and Dean Taylor wrote a letter to Lee, Lee McPhail uh, protesting the game. Lee ruled in our favor. We had to fly back on an off day that the Yankees also had that day. We were flying to Baltimore to uh, start a series on a Thursday or something, or a Friday, so we had to go there and make up the game. And for some reason, I was kicked out. I didn't even go to the stadium. I went to some Italian restaurant in Newark, wow. had a great meal, and met the wow. guys on the bus. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, a few weeks after that, I want to tell you a little story. Uh, you came to Seattle, and there was a young broadcaster who was at his first year in the big leagues come up to you and ask you, Mr. Brett, uh, I'm the new announcer for the Seattle Mariners. Can I do a pregame show with you? You looked at this young guy. Here's the pitch to Smith. Checks wing a breaking ball, and it's a strike called. And that is strike two, one and two the count. And you said, sure, let's go ahead and do an interview. And that guy was me. Oh, get and, out of here. And I asked Were you. Were you I, working with Dave then? I was working with Dave Niehaus my first year. Wow. And I, I remember how upset you were. I said, are you all talked out about the Pine Tar game? And you said, Rick, you ask me any question you want, it's your show. Yeah. So I uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Here's the pitch to Smith, a swing and a miss and a breaking ball for strike three. Well, it's funny, Rick. You played 21 years in the major leagues, 20, all in Kansas City, and you remember for one thing. One thing only. No, no, no. You remember no, wherever for a I lot. go, wherever I go, that's no, all no. people want to talk about. No, no. You but it could be worse. A great you know, player. I played with a guy here in Kansas City near the end of his career, Bill Buckner, and Bill was one of the most fierce competitors I've ever seen. And yeah. what he had to go through just to put on his shoes every day to play oh, a baseball game. He had to ice his ankles for two hours and before we, every game. And we played on astroturf. Oh. And 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 it's unfortunate with Bill Buckner what he's remembered for. Yeah. But Bill Buckner was a one of my player. favorite teammates of all time. Just to watch him prepare and and the way he worked on his skill of hitting. Because yeah. he was pretty much a DH when he got here. But it was, uh, um, it's, just, it, it's just, that's, you know, you play, you have 3,000. Well, I, I, I don't like to tell people I, got, I have 3,154 hits. You know what I like to say? I made 7,000 outs. <laughs> you know what? you got to stick baseball, around a long time to make, make 7,000 outs. And you can do that in the game of baseball sure. because you're going to hit 300, and that will get you to the Hall right. of Fame with those 3,000 right. base But hits. I love to tell people, hey, you got how many hits you got? I said, I'm 
You figure that out. I made 7,000 yeah. outs. But that's how tough 500 this game at-bats is. 500 at-bats a year. Say you average 500. It's 14 years without a hit. <laughs> <laughs> when you start thinking of it like that, you're saying it's to yourself, amazing. man, you're terrible. <laughs> that's why this game is not easy. That's why there's only 750 guys who put on a big league uniform yeah. visiting with George Brett, the great George Brett. He did many great things right here in Kansas City, all with one club. Here is Domingo Santana, and the count goes to 2-1 and one on Santana. George, so glad that you're here. Why did you stay your entire career right here? What made you a Kansas City Well, we City started Royal? winning in 1976, and at that time I had a one-year contract after the 76 season. They gave me a five-year contract, and next thing you know, three years go by, and I'm, I'm pretty successful. They offered me a five-year extension, and so I did that. We went to the playoffs in 76, 77, 78. Yeah. We missed in 79 by two games. In 80, we went to the World Series. 81 went to the playoffs. 84 went to the playoffs. 85 won the World Series. Won it. I signed my last contract in 1984 before the 1985 season. I still had a couple years left on that. It was a five-year contract with two one-year options. The Royals had a lot of trust in me, and I trusted them. Oh, man. I said, what, where am I going to go? Am I going to go to Texas to play for the Rangers? Yeah, no. They've never been to the playoffs. No. Am I going to go to this L.A.? This was your home. This you was grew up in home. California. This was your I home. I didn't want to go to L.A. and play yeah. for the Angels or the Dodgers. I didn't want to be a free agent. And, uh, you know, I've been to the playoffs seven times in ten years. I said, man, we're going to go to the World Series every year. That's what I felt. Right. Little did I know after the 85 World Series, we didn't sniff it again. We didn't make the playoffs until 2014, but yeah. I retired in 93. Domingo Santana with a swing But it was a foul. good marriage. We had a good marriage. Oh, we, uh, One of the greatest. The, the ownership and I, Ewing Kaufman and his wife, uh, Muriel, and then Alfred Folkman and Wendy came in. Had a wonderful relationship with them. Always had a great relationship with the general managers. We used to draw 30000 every, you know, average 30000 a game, which was fantastic for a yeah. market this size. Travel was easy, living in the Midwest. I yeah. love the heat. I love playing when it's hot and humid and sweating. Well, there was, was the there place. was there was no place for me to go. Runner goes, pitch on the way, a ball to throw down to second base, and safe at second is D. Gordon with his sixth stolen base of the year. The count is now three and two on Domingo Santana. Gordon with steal number six. He's on at second. The Mariners lead four two. We're in the top of the fourth inning, visiting with uh, Hall of Famer George Brett. And let's see if the Royals want to take a look at it, want to see a replay, and they will not. So D. is in there. Three and two on Domingo Santana. George, what you've been doing with the Royals all these years since your retirement? Well, when I was still playing, they gave me the title of vice president of baseball operations if I retired a Royal. I've been vice president of baseball operations since 1993. Don't ask me what I do, but, <laughs> but I sure like my job. <laughs> Swing and a Soro Loller, left side of the infield, scooping in. Dozier, he's got it. Bare hands, throws the first, not in time. And Santana can run. He's safe at first base. With an infield base hit. I think he's out. Gordon to third. So runners on right now at first and third. George, would you read an ID for us so we go to a break? Hey, let's pause for station identification. This is the Alaska Airlines Mariners Radio Network. Domingo Santana. I love Alaska Safer. Airlines. Oh, you, you, I'm glad you do. Bill. No, I'm Great not kidding sponsor. you. I, I, I used to fly into Seattle every year and then take a Alaska Airlines flight up to Ketchikan and go fishing. Do you realize how happy you just made the folks at Alaska oh, Airlines, you're George? Oh, it's George a great Brett. airline. And they, they even have a terminal here in Kansas City. This is a commercial. They have, no, they have a they have a, a Alaska Airlines. I don't know where they fly. I guess they just fly Everywhere to Seattle. There. But they don't, not, not out of Kansas City. Oh, but all around the Midwest. and Yeah. 
George, well, Brad Tilden is a very happy man right now. He's the president. Brad? Oh. He's a friend of mine who's the president of Alaska Airlines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> here's Jay Bruce. Ball two, the count on Bruce. Two and oh, the count. So on behalf of well, Alaska Airlines and Brad Tilden, well, thank, thank you, you very yeah. much, buddy. No, it's a good airline. It really is. They're a major sponsor on our broadcast and throughout our organization. Bruce is one for two with a home run and two runs batted in. A home run infield out to the right side. George produced a run. Here's the pitch on the way, and it's a strike. The count is now two and one, so you can do that you know, with a ground ball to the right side. What a, what a concept. But, <laughs> but, you know, what, you know, you know what's, what, what's really crazy is every time I come up here and do a visiting team's TV, it's usually a six-pitch inning. This was like no, a half no. an hour. This is outstanding. You're not tired, are you? No, no, no I'm not running out. Oh, no, I got more here. Oh, I, ha- I have more stuff. Two and two, the count on uh, Jay Bruce. On deck is Edwin Encarnacion, busy with uh, the Hall of Famer, George Brett. I want to talk to you about that wonderful day in Cooperstown. Pitch on the way, low and inside for ball three, full count three and two. What was it like to give that speech? Well, it's it's the probably the hardest one you'll ever give but it's actually pretty easy to prepare for because all you do is thank everybody that got you to work to that point yeah. you know nobody gets up there and starts saying i did this i did that they thank everybody from their parents to their brothers to their yeah. minor league manager the scout that signed them their high school coach their little league coach uh and that's all you do so that part's easy but looking out there and seeing your family, and I remember looking at my brothers. Emotional. And that's what got me. My brother Ken was there, my brother John, my brother Bobby, my mom was there, my dad had passed away. But that was the hardest part of it is saying thanks to those people and telling them how much you, you care for them and, 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 and how much you, you really love the respect that they gave you. Well, I'll tell you what, you gave so much love and respect to everybody, including that young broadcaster back in 1983. Swing and a miss by Jay Bruce. That'll retire the side. Mariners get two to take the lead. George, I can't thank you okay. enough for stopping by. We appreciate Best of luck to you. Okay. The Hall of Famer, George Brad. We go to the bottom of the fourth. Mariners lead Kansas City 4-2. to two. That was something.